from MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, the show all about your legal rights and your questions about the law. I'm Greg Mayer, filling in for your regular host, Liz Gill, and I'm joined as always by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Our special guest today is Gayla Carpenter Sanders, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project. This is National Pro Bono Week, a week to highlight the volunteer legal services provided to individuals who otherwise could not afford them. We're going to talk about the services provided by the Volunteer Lawyers Project, where and how you can contact them, and what it takes to qualify for the volunteer legal services through the organization. If you have a question or would like to join the conversation, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after the news. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Kresge Foundation, expanding opportunities in America's cities through grant-making and social investing. More at kresge.org. And the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation at macfound.org. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about your legal rights and your questions about the law. I'm Greg Mayer, filling in for your regular host, Liz Gill, and I'm joined as always by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Our special guest today is Gayla Carpenter Sanders, the executive director of the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project. The Volunteer Lawyers Project has been active in Mississippi since 1982, helping thousands of residents with any number of legal matters. The organization provides an invaluable service to those who can't otherwise afford an attorney. This morning, we're going to talk about the services provided by the Volunteer Lawyers Project, discuss what pro bono week means in Mississippi, and answer your questions about what it takes to qualify for volunteer legal services through the organization. If you'd like to join our conversation, call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Good morning, Professor Gershon. Greg, and I'm really excited to have Ms. Carpenter Sanders on today. Uh, you know, we hear a lot of uh, negative things about lawyers, whether whether they're des- deserved or not. But uh, today we, we have an opportunity to talk about all the good things that lawyers do um, for no charge and to help, help people around the state of Mississippi and really around the country. So really excited about the work she does and all the uh, volunteer lawyers as well. And Gayla, maybe we best place to start is you can tell us a little bit about yourself and give us an overview of the Volunteer Lawyers Project. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Good morning to both of you. Um, I am the Executive Director and General Counsel of the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project, and I took that position in November of 2014. Prior to that, I was in private practice for about 10 years with two area firms, um, first doing mostly plaintiff's work in the areas of family law, personal injury, and then I moved over to another firm where I was doing insurance defense. So um, throughout my career, I did volunteer with the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project, and so when the opportunity arose, I gladly uh, took the position 
And I can tell you that um, it's it has been a rewarding job for me. Um, you know, just as Professor Gershon said, the profession gets uh, a lot of criticism from the public um, and because we're considered to be um, very, um, I guess, a money-hungry profession. And I'm just fortunate to be um, at this stage in my career where I get to travel the state and meet attorneys and judges who really want to do great things for people in Mississippi. And uh, that's part of why MVLP was created so many years ago. Uh, it was created for the purpose of providing legal support to individuals across this state who could not afford an attorney. Um, many people are aware of legal services. And we had several programs back in 1982. I think we had about six programs in the state back in 1982 that um, hired attorneys uh, who worked on staff to provide legal support to individuals. Well, of course, what, what they learned uh, in providing these legal services was that the staff attorneys, even though you know they were great attorneys, they could not reach every person who needed the support. And so they created the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project along with the Mississippi Bar. It was a collaboration between legal services and the bar to provide services for low-income individuals but do it through private attorneys. So MVLP was formed, I guess, in a way to close that gap in services. And, and it's a you, you have a small staff at MVLP, but a huge volunteer network of attorneys. Tell us a little we bit do. about the attorneys who, who participate and volunteer at the program. Well, we have um, attorneys representing various areas of practice. Uh, we have attorneys who are solo practitioners. We have attorneys who are in small to medium law firms. We have large law firms. Uh, we also have people who are in the public sector who who are really, I guess, exempt from doing pro bono service, but they still uh, do pro bono through MVLP. So we, we have a, a, a wide section of attorneys who provide services to us. And I want to put in a plug for our law students who also uh, do a lot of pro bono around the state as they learn uh, in, in the profession, as they, as they enter the profession. Uh, and it's a good good thing for them to be learning, too, because they understand that as lawyers we, we should give back. That's exactly right. We And, and I'm glad uh, Professor Gershon mentioned that. We have uh, the pro bono uh, initiative at University of Mississippi School of Law, and then we have uh, other groups at Mississippi College School of Law. We only have two law schools in the state of Mississippi, and we have the support from both law schools in providing students to help us with pro bono. And we look at it as a training ground for them as well, not... Um, for one, to encourage them to do pro bono once they start practicing, and then two, to provide them practical experience on what to expect when they start practicing law. Because we all learn that law school teaches us the theory, but when it's time to get out there and practice, you know, we need some help. And so the law students are able to provide um, that needed service for us, and we're able to provide them the practical experience that they need. Have you all found if you reach the law students early enough that they're more likely to volunteer longer into their careers? I think so. Um, I don't have any specific stats to that, uh, but I can say that a lot of the individuals who, are, who have helped through the pro bono initiative and who have helped through uh, public interest groups at Mississippi College School of Law have gone on to accept cases from us within the first three years of their practice. And I think, you know, this, this generation gets a lot of criticism, um, 
But the fact is, they're probably the most dedicated, in my opinion, uh, group of students to public service and giving back that I've that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. I know when I was in law school, we just wanted to get through law school. So I, I think that the future is bright. This morning, we are talking with Gayla Carpenter-Sanders, Executive Director of the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project, and we're talking about what the organization does and who it helps. If you have a question, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Now, one of the questions I, I used to get asked is, what do you... How do you qualify for services through the Volunteer Lawyers Project? Well, we usually have we two ways. Um, we get referrals from both of the legal services programs in Mississippi, and then we also have people who call us directly. And when we call, when people call us directly, we screen them. We ask them a series of questions, mostly based on their income um, and the number of people in their household. Uh, We ask them how many adults are in the house, how many children are in the house, how many working adults are in the house, and if there are working adults in the house, what are the incomes of both of those adults? And what we do um, is we look at the number of people in the household and the the amount of income, and we base that according to the federal poverty guidelines as to whether or not we're able to provide service. And we... We look at, um, I guess you could say we represent the working poor because uh, most of the people, you can have a salary of $50,000 but still be qualified to get assistance from MVLP based on if you have a certain number of people in your household. And as I recall from your website, there's a there's a chart that shows individuals how much income you can make versus how many people in your household. And for instance, at fifty thousand, if you had four people in your household, uh, you might qualify. That's correct. Um, and I was also struck by the statistics of the individuals who you do help. Uh, and in particular, it, last year it showed seventy five percent were female. What accounts for the the larger percentage of females seeking assistance through the Volunteer Lawyers Project? Well, it's the type of cases that we handle. Uh, We handle guardianships. We handle adoptions. We handle divorces. uh, We handle child support contempt cases. And, you know, with a lot of those family law type cases, you're going to get a large percentage of females contacting your office for that for that type of service. And, and if a, just because a, a, a individual qualifies, are they still going to be responsible for certain fees or certain costs associated with representation? Yes, they are responsible for filing fees, uh, and that's based off of whatever the filing fee amount is for that county and any other fees um, associated with it. For example, if someone is trying to get a divorce from their spouse because the spouse abandoned them, and we find that they have grounds to get a divorce for what's called desertion in Mississippi, that individual will have to uh, pay the filing fee in order to get the complaint or the petition filed in Chancery Clerk in order to get it heard before the judge. But they also have to pay... um, the other fees associated with that. For example, they don't know where the spouse is. So in Mississippi, in the, according to the rules of civil procedure, you have to publish in the newspaper where the, where the action is, um, is current or, or where the action is, uh, and you have to file, sorry, you have to serve that person via newspaper. So whenever you have to publish in the newspaper, those fees that are associated with that 
are also um, have they also have to be paid by the individual receiving the service. But those are usually the only fees. Um, the expenses like copy fees, um, telephone calls, any of those expenses that the attorney bears, the attorney or, or that firm will pay those particular expenses, and then the attorney fees are donated. So if you have an attorney who normally charges $200 an hour to help with a guardianship or a divorce case, they are not charging any money at all to that client for those attorney fees. Well, let's take our first break for the morning. When we come back, Frank, we'll get your call. Uh, If you'd like to join in our conversation about the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project, the National Pro Bono Week, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash terms. You can also find it on the MPB Media app. This morning, we're talking with Gayla Carpenter-Sanders, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project. This, is, this week is National Pro Bono Week. And let's go ahead and go to the phone lines. We've got Frank, who's been patiently waiting. Frank, good morning. Hey, hey, this sounds like a great program. I've got two things. Number one, Mississippi is real big on touting programs and the existence of programs, but then there is no capacity to meet the need. That's number one. So I like the uh, uh, the person there to give me an idea of how much of the need is being met. And number two, is anybody looking at the deplorable situation where Department of uh, Health and Human Services is turning down 98% of Tannis and welfare applicants. It sounds to me that uh, there's a lawsuit there somewhere, or at least some legal services need to be rendered to assist those people in getting registered. Thank you so much. Thank you, Frank. Uh, Gayla, let's talk about meeting the needs. Uh, and can you tell us a little bit of how many people the volunteer lawyers not only represents, but the impact? Right. Uh, we help about, first of all, thank you, Frank, for your question. Uh, we help. We open about 1,200 cases a year. We have about 2,600 people who contact us yearly for services, but if their case falls outside of the types of cases that we will assist with, we usually refer them to another agency to assist them. Um, we open about 1,200 cases. Now, that doesn't mean all of those cases go to litigation. 
uh, not all of those cases will be filed in a chancery court in Mississippi uh, for several reasons. One, some people may not necessarily meet the requirements to receive uh, services. We we have on our website the types of cases that we handle, and we try to break down what you need to have to uh, get services in that particular area or for that particular area of the law. But um, we have sometimes we have people who will contact our office and we start the intake process on them. We may get them all the way to an attorney and we never hear from the person again. So what we normally do with those type cases, we don't just close the door on them. We give them the advice that they need uh, with their particular legal matter, and we tell them, you know, if you want to reapply for our services, there's a waiting period to to reapply for our services. But uh, we do open the door up for you again should you decide that you need it. Uh, we probably have, I would say we would have about... Out of that 1,200, maybe about 400 cases that will be marketed to attorneys to accept. And when we market those cases, we put them on our website and we give a brief description to the attorneys, uh, the type, the case matter, where it's located, and what we need from them. And we have, we, I would say we place probably between 120 to 150 of those cases a year. For those cases that we are not able to place, we will give them legal advice and counsel, or we will refer them to the clinics that we do across the state. And we do probably over 20 clinics a year, probably closer to 30 clinics a year. So if we're not able to serve them uh, with an attorney going to court to represent them, we at least provide them an attorney who is going to do the limited representation for them. Clinics, uh, is, uh, you mentioned you do about 20 or so a year. They're on different topics, and this would be a good time, I think, for us to start discussing what different types of clinics that the, the Volunteer Lawyer Project uh, uh, hosts. And you have one this week, the Expungement Clinic. Can you tell us a mm-hmm. little bit about what, what that's for uh, and, and what kind of help people can, can receive there? Right. The Expungement Clinic, uh, well, first with expungements, that's a civil um, action that the legislature has allowed individuals to be able to seek in order to get certain um, crimes removed or erased from their criminal record. And we host these clinics. Expungements are not the types of cases that we handle on an everyday basis. So if an attorney calls our office, I mean, if a, a client calls our office and they need help with an expungement, we don't have an attorney who's going to represent them in court for an expungement, but we at least provide it through a clinic setting. Um, so with expungements, an individual will come to the clinic if they qualify for the services, uh, meaning if they meet the income requirements. Uh, they, they come to the clinic. They meet one-on-one with an attorney. Uh, the attorney gives them legal consultation regarding expungements, what an expungement is, what is the process for getting it, getting an expungement, and then the attorney drafts the pleadings for them. Uh, and after they draft the pleadings, of course, they, they go through the pleadings with them, and then they give them instructions on what they need to do next, uh, they, what court they need to file it, what clerk's office they need to uh, go to in order to uh, file the action. Uh, 
who they need to send the order to, how to prepare for the hearing, those type things. So on Thursday, that's what we will be hosting for the public. We just had a Know Your Rights workshop on expungements last Thursday at the Hines Community College branch um, here in Jackson, Mississippi. And so based off of those people who came to the workshop, we screened them to qualify them for the clinic. And so when they come to the clinic, they'll receive pleadings um, and then instructions on what they need to do to represent themselves. And that expungement clinic is uh, this Thursday at Hines Community College. What what information uh, should the individuals bring with them? Certainly they need to bring their abstract or sentencing order. And abstract is, is a sentencing order, but that's the sentencing order out of municipal court. So if you go to city court uh, and you receive a misdemeanor conviction, you'll have what's called an abstract, and it'll tell you what the judge has required you to do in order to um, complete your sentence for that particular um, matter that was committed or crime that was committed. Um, So you bring your abstract or you bring your sentencing order. The sentencing order is usually for those uh, people who have felonies um, out of circuit court. You bring that, and then you also have to bring information showing us that you have completed your sentence. So, for example, on your abstract, it may say that you had a fine, you were fined $500. We need that receipt from the clerk's office showing where you have a zero balance, where you've paid that $500. And, of course, we've already instructed the individuals on the waiting period for certain expungements. There's a two-year waiting period in municipal court. There's five years uh, in circuit court for your felonies. And so... um, you have to bring that information. You have to bring your driver's license with you um, so that we can verify the information on your driver's license that we're going to put um, on the actual petition for the expungement. And I, I, I know the, the, the project's actively uh, recruiting lawyers to assist. Do lawyers have to have any kind of special training if they want to help participate in these expungement clinics? We provide them training prior to the clinic. Um, and it's usually a continuing legal education course for an attorney to give them the background on what expungements are or any matter that we're hosting at a clinic. Uh, and we also take that opportunity to answer any questions from them that they may have. A lot of the attorneys who volunteer for the clinics specifically are, those might be areas outside of their practice area, but they're providing this service because, one, they want to do the pro bono, they understand the need that's out there, and so they come to the clinics um, to provide that assistance. And so we provide the instruction for them, and they're able to ask us questions. A lot of them will go ahead and review the documents and just review the law before they even come to the continuing legal education course because they they, they don't want to not be able to answer any questions from the participants that come to the clinics. And again, I think, you know, this is one that I, our, I know our students have also been involved in. It's a great way for them to learn about uh, this issue. Uh, Karen Pierce, who works in our career services office, has also been very involved. So it's a, it's a great opportunity for uh, lawyers to volunteer and for students to, to learn while doing. Another clinic uh, that, that uh, the project host is the guardianship clinics, which I think you have one of those that's upcoming as well. Yes, we have one scheduled for this Friday. And interestingly, um, we have the lawyers on board. uh, We have the location secured. But we've had a hard time getting people to register for this clinic. We have not had a lot of people uh, 
to take an interest in this. And that could be uh, maybe people don't understand exactly what guardianships are and they or they may not realize that they need a guardianship. And usually a lot of people don't realize they need a guardianship uh, until it's time to register a child for school. And uh, just quickly, a guardianship is... Um, a mechanism by which an individual who is not a natural parent, meaning they're not the mother and father of a child, they are able to take custody of a child. Um, they don't terminate the parents' parental, the, the parental rights of the natural parents, but they that child is brought into their home. The child lives with them. They provide the support that that child needs because the natural parent may not be fit to take care of the child. So, for example, we see this a lot with, um, you know, grandparents who are taking on their grandchildren because the the parents may have neglected the child or they may have just abandoned the child. And so grandparents are now having to look over the children. Well, what happens when it's time to register for them, register them for school? They're not considered the legal guardian. So they have to go to court in order, in order to become the legal guardian. So we provide these guardianship clinics for individuals like that, like those grandparents, those aunts and uncles or friends of families who are taking on children who are not their own. And, and not just school, but medical help. Medical help as well. Uh, which can be critical, and sometimes you don't have time to think about it when, mm-hmm. when you need uh, someone to have, that has authority to, mm-hmm. to make those kind of decisions. Uh, and when is that guardianship clinic? The guardianship clinic is this Friday. It starts at 1130, and it's at the Willie Morris Lo- uh, Library off of Old Canton in Jackson. Okay. And that, that uh, particular clinic is being co-sponsored with the Mississippi Department of Child Protective Services, and the Jackson Young Lawyers. A, a third type of clinic is the family law clinics hosted by the, the project. Can you tell us a little bit about what family law clinics are designed to do? Yes. So at our family law clinics, we handle a variety of matters. Uh, it can be guardianship, a conservatorship, emancipation, um, even uh, divorce cases. Uh, we, we handle a lot of our irreconcilable differences, divorces at these legal clinics. And we do these across the state. Um, we're fortunate to have the blessings of a lot of the judges across the state. Um, we were doing a lot of clinics in the northeast part of the state. Um, we had a chancellor there who was very instrumental in, um, in spreading these clinics throughout the chancery district there. Um, and we've had a long-standing relationship with uh, the judge in Washington County, Mississippi, which is the Greenville area, Leland, Mississippi area. Uh, we've had a long-standing relationship with her and the Washington County Bar. We provide um, assistance with family law matters at the clinics there. But uh, basically at the family law clinics, it works the same way as the expungement clinic and the guardianship clinic. Individuals will call our office. They get screened uh, for eligibility. And we ask them questions regarding their specific legal matter. When we get to the clinic setting, there's an attorney there who's going to provide them first with the legal. We'll ask them questions, of course, and give them legal counsel and advice and then draft pleadings for them so that they can represent themselves in court. Um, The interesting part about our clinics, though, and I will say this, while we do a lot of them, we, we do them to 
provide an additional gap in service. So where we don't have attorneys who may take a case on from start to finish, we provide clinics so that the attorneys can provide limited representation. However, at the clinics, if an attorney determines that this individual may not necessarily be able to represent themselves in court, they refer them back to the program. And we we earmark those specific cases for attorneys to take because we don't want to we don't want to send people into the it's already intimidating. It's intimidating for some lawyers to go to court. Uh, We don't want to intimidate any of the individuals who need assistance and provide that that further gap in service. So we usually refer them back to the program. When we come back from the break, we'll continue our conversation with Gayla Carpenter-Sanders about the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project and the services that the project provides. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send us an email at legalterms at mpbonline.org. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio this morning. We're talking with Gayla Carpenter-Sanders, the executive director of the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project. And before the break, we were talking about the different types of legal clinics. We didn't even cover all the legal clinics that uh, that the project hosts and provides. But we'd like to turn to the specific services um, and individual representations that the uh, the project helps facilitate. And uh, I imagine that one of the, the, the largest uh, requests you receive are for uh, divorces. Yes. And can you tell us a little bit about what types of divorces that the project uh, handles and and how that works? We handle, uh, well, in Mississippi, you can get a divorce uh, based off of irreconcilable differences, meaning both parties agree to the divorce. The the marriage just cannot be repaired, and they don't want to continue in the marriage. Um, We handle irreconcilable differences divorces, and we also handle um, fault-based divorces but only on two specific grounds and that's desertion and um sinister penitentiary we don't go into cases that whether it's cruel and inhuman treatment there may be some element of that in um our id divorce cases but we don't we don't handle all all types of divorces it's only those three types irreconcilable differences and then divorces based on desertion or sinister penitentiary we have Nikki, who is waiting on the phone lines. Nikki, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Gayla. Good morning. I just wanted to say I have done um, pro bono work with Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers and just highly recommend it. But when Gayla was, met, was talking about the divorces and the filing fees, I did want to add that I have had a good bit of success in filing an informal pauperous where 
the uh, it's a form where the the clerk and the judge can look at it, and they, it will uh, take away the filing fee because of the economic status of the of the client that's filing. So I just wanted to add that. Thank you, Nikki, Especially and I recognize in rural your voice. Counties. That's correct. Thank you, Nikki. I recognize your voice as soon as you started. She's she's been a a staunch supporter of MVLP, and like she said, she's helped with clinics and helped with cases. Thank you, Nikki. And I'm I'm thankful that you made that comment because we do have situations where an individual may not be able to pay the filing fee, and so you can file a motion for informa pauperis, and that is uh, usually granted through the clerk's office. Um, and we actually have some counties in Mississippi uh, right now, too, and maybe some other counties will follow suit. But in Hines County and in Rankin County, anyone who is represented by the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project or Legal Services or um, through another program that's similar to MVLP, Mission First, the filing fees are waived. As long as you're represented by that attorney um, and you're doing it through MVLP, the individual does not have to pay the filing fee. I would imagine most of the individuals coming through, uh, they're going to be close if they qualify for your services to qualify for the indigent uh, waiver. Is that, mm-hmm. is that fair? A lot of them are, yes. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Nikki. That was a very helpful call. Uh, a- another uh, service that uh, individuals may not realize you provide uh, is uh, emancipation. Yes. Uh, which is particularly important for younger folks. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what emancipation is and, and how that how that can come about? Yes. So um, in some situations, we have individuals who are wanting to seek independent housing um, uh, or, um, and I guess I, I'm, I'm thinking of specific cases that we've had where individuals have wanted emancipation. A lot of these um, individuals were maybe mothers who were uh, teenage mothers still living at home, but they wanted to provide, um, I guess, or be independent from their parents and provide um, living and assistance for their children on their own. So they've applied to us for emancipation, and that's just a mechanism that the court allows um, for individuals who are under the age of 21 to be able to be independent and free from parental controls in order to um, do whatever. And, and, and a lot of times it's for housing purposes. And I don't know that a lot of people realize that the age of majority in Mississippi is actually 21. It's not 18, as most people think. You're an adult at 18, but you're not able to contract contract for um, land, uh, you know, real property or anything like that. So um, the court allows this mechanism for by which people can under the age of 21, can become emancipated. Does that young person's parent always have to agree to the emancipation? For MVLP cases, yes. Um, across the board, no. But if MVLP is going to handle it, then yes, we usually want the consent of the parents. And and, and another service uh, are, are wills. Uh, which I I imagine y'all do those at clinics as well Mm -hmm. as individuals. Can you tell us a little bit about the wills Mm -hmm. uh, that you help provide for? Yeah. So keep in mind that 
we we have to qualify individuals for uh, the service. So if you have a million dollars sitting in the bank and you want to will it to someone, nine times out of ten, you're not going to qualify for MVLP (laughs) services. But for those individuals who have... um, personal possessions that they want to leave uh, to relatives or to friends, we do allow um, individuals to get assistance with wheels through MVLP. And, and these are, uh, if, if they show up at a clinic, uh, for instance, one of your legal clinics where, they, where they're doing wills, mm-hmm. uh, what kind of information should, should somebody bring with them to help the attorney prepare that document? Most of the time we'll ask them to bring um, any deeds that they may have if they're trying to will the house, will a house to someone, um, uh, any other type of, we ask them to bring a list of the possessions that they are trying to will um, to an individual. A lot of times they bring it, um, sometimes they may not, um, so we'll just walk it through with them and make sure that we include as much information as possible um, at the clinic. And, and Professor, as we were talking earlier, those clinics, particularly ones like with wills, are great opportunities for, for law students to not only learn a little bit about the law, but then interact with individuals who really need some help. Exactly. I think that's, Greg, that's a really important point because one of the one of the things that uh, lawyers have to learn is how to interact with student, uh, with uh, clients and learn, you know, to, to ask the right questions with clients. Uh, they may know the law in the abstract, but when you apply it with a real person in front of you, that that's great training. Um, with regard to the representation, uh, and, and this is maybe helpful to volunteer attorneys too, who, when the client comes to you, they've qualified, they set up their representation, they've, they've been assigned to an attorney, do they have a direct attorney-client relationship with that attorney, or is it through the Volunteer Lawyers Project, uh, or how does that work in terms mm-hmm. of representing representing individuals? Well, we have the individuals to sign a retainer agreement with us, with MVLP, and it lays out the provisions of this representation by the attorney. We do encourage attorneys, if there's information that's not in our retainer agreement that they want to uh, want to include, that they execute a separate um, retainer agreement with the individual. But it's a... It's interesting because we're really, MVLP really is just a conduit um, for providing legal services. These individuals have their one-on-one relationship with their attorneys, meaning, you know, unless the attorney wants to utilize MVLP's office to meet with the clients, these clients will go to the offices of these individuals. So it's a one-on-one relationship that they have with the attorney. And a lot of times, you know, with some cases, the cases are, are, finished but if let's say if a if a volunteer attorney helped with an id divorce and two or three years from now there's a child support contempt matter that individual will call our office and say well you know this person helped me i'd really like for this person to to assist me again and we try to set them up with the same attorney or a lot of times we have an attorney to say you know, this case started out as an ID divorce, but it has moved uh, into a fault-based ground that I know MVLP does not cover, but this person cannot afford an attorney. Can I still represent them on this particular matter? We have that happen often. And so what we'll do is provide the necessary uh, protections for that attorney to be able to represent that individual for cases outside of our priorities. Oh, it, it develops great relationships uh, for attorneys who are, are really helping people who need help. Mm-hmm. And I was, you, you pointed out sometimes like two years later, an issue comes up. My experience has been 
uh, I've, I've helped through the volunteer lawyers project and two years later they reach directly back out to uh-huh. me <laughs> they do they call you directly and we'll have attorneys to call us and say hey you know they they called me I got some time let me go ahead and and take on this file we have our and that that's the that's the beauty of this profession and that's why I said at the very beginning of this segment that you know attorneys are given a bad reputation uh, but that's not that's a myth uh, sometimes sometimes it's deserved sometimes it's not um, and I'm fortunate to work with a group of attorneys where that reputation is not deserved can you ballpark how many lawyers actually are in your network well um since 1982, I can tell you that we've enrolled close to 3,000 attorneys. We have about 218 attorneys that will volunteer with us each year. We recruit about 100 attorneys um, every year, maybe 100 to 150 attorneys every year. But keep in mind that even though we may recruit 150 attorneys or we may have 3,000 attorneys that are in our panel of attorneys, we may have an attorney that will help in 2014 but may not be available in 2015 or 2016 to take a case, and then they'll start again in 2017. So, you know, once you're part of the MVLP family, we we consider you a part of our family, and we are able to call on you whenever you're available. We're going to take our final break for the day, and when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project and all the different services that they provide. If you have a question, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. This morning, Professor Gershon and I are talking with Gayla Carpenter-Sanders, the Executive Director of the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project. If you have a question or a comment and want to join in on our conversation, give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Uh, before the, the the break, we were talking just very the tip of the iceberg of some of the, the services that the, the, the project provides. I, I would like to hear uh, maybe some of the, uh, the, the stories about the impact that, that, that you've experienced once you've been a part of the project. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, a lot of the cases uh, where I have seen um, significant impact have been through clinics, but um, also with cases that we've had law students to take on um, in our office. And um, one of the things that I don't know if people realize this, but the Supreme Court has allowed um, individuals who are students, rather, who are in their third year of law school to receive a limited law license to practice law as long as they are doing it um, under a, 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 a licensed attorney and as long as it's within a public interest setting. So I have had the opportunity to work with five law students under this program. And they take on cases, and they 
they handle all of the litigation and they represent them in court. And I can tell you just based off of the performance of these externs um, and the interaction and, and just the gratitude from the clients, I think our profession, of course, is in great hands. Um, but one of the stories that comes to mind um, is uh, a current case that we have with an extern. We have um, we had a, a mother who went missing um, in the city of Jackson. Uh, no one knows where she is. She dropped her children off at school and she vanished. And it's been over a year since she disappeared. Uh, the grandmother, of course, took custody of the two children of this mother. Um, at the time that the grandmother, I mean, at the time that the mother disappeared, it was after school, um, after school had commenced for the school year. So the mom had already registered the children in school for last for the last school term. But this particular school term, she tried to register the child, the children for school and could not. And so uh, she was referred to us um, by the school district to help her with the guardianship. And so I assigned that case to um, a law student because one, I wanted the law student to get the practical experience, but I also wanted the opportunity to um, make sure that that law student could understand how some subjects or some cases, the sensitivity that's required in a lot of these cases. And so this is a grandmother who came to us um, heartbroken, of course, not understanding or not knowing what to tell her grandchildren um, about their mother or wondering if she's going to get a phone call one day saying that, you know, the mother is no longer here. Uh, so we, so I've, I've assigned a, a law student to work on that file. She's done a great job, and she has a hearing coming up um, in a couple of weeks, actually, to get that guardianship for the grandmother. And, you know, even though it has not been completed yet, yet we are, of course, um, we're, of course, confident that she will be granted the guardian of the children, of her grandchildren, but we have received so many phone calls from this grandmother just saying, you know, I appreciate you for doing this. This is one part of my life that I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to have to take care of my grandchildren for one. Um, and I just don't know what to do. And, you know, you guys allowed us to come into your office. I've talked with you. You've helped me work through some other situations, um, with, with, you know, with my life and with this new, um, with this new experience that I'm having with the grandchildren. And so she's just been very thankful to us. And it just reminds, um, it reminds me of why this program is important and why our profession is important. We really do help um, stabilize families uh, with the program and just with our profession. Um, so I consider that a success story. We've also had, um, you know, fathers who, have not been able to visit with their children due to conflicts with the with the other parent. Um, we've been able to secure visitation for fathers, therefore providing that love and affection that kids need from both parents. So I consider all of those successes. Uh, we've got Linda from Port Gibson who's been waiting on the phone. Uh, uh, Linda, good morning. Good morning. What's your question? Uh, uh, you, you, you spoke of... Uh, you you have a uh, pro bono, uh, and are they dispersed in the uh, Gibson area? The pro bonos uh, lawyers. Yes, ma'am. So we do. We are we're a statewide organization, 
in any cases that come out of any county, we post it on our website and we market them to attorneys to take. So you're in Claiborne County. We will list Claiborne County and list all of the cases out of Claiborne County. And we have attorneys who are in Claiborne County who may take that case. We may have mm-hmm. someone in, in a neighboring county like Adams County or Warren County who may take on uh, the case out of Port Gibson. So that's the beauty of the program. It's statewide, but we have attorneys who are willing to go to any county. We have attorneys who are in Hines County, who practice and who live in Hines County, but are willing to drive all the way to Lee County for a pro bono case because that may be their hometown, and they want to be able to give back to their hometown using their profession. So, you know, we... We have attorneys in some some counties. We may not have any attorneys uh, present, but we will have someone in a neighboring county who may accept that particular file. Yeah, uh, Linda's call hits on a, an important benefit of the Volunteer Lawyers Project because it uh, qualifying participants, right? They don't have to go seek out the attorneys. You you do that for them, right? Right. Yeah. And, and you've not run into any kind of shortage anywhere in the state where there are going to be uh, attorneys willing to take these cases. Well, you know, it depends on the type of case and it depends on the availability of the attorney. I don't want to give the impression that every case that comes through MVLP is going to be placed with an attorney. Uh, it, It depends on the availability of the attorney. But what I can tell you is that if we're not able to place them with an attorney, we don't just close the door. We we reopen the door uh, and try to help them if we can. And then we also make sure we provide them legal advice or we refer or we refer them to another program. Uh, Professor, before Linda's call, uh, Gayla was talking about utilizing a law student uh, and helping with a very important uh, matter here in the Jackson area. What what kind of feedback have you heard from law students at Ole Miss uh, about participating in these type of programs? They'll tell you it's the best experience they had in law school, that uh, being part of a clinic, uh, whether it's uh, one of our official in-house clinics that we run from the law school, and we have 10 of them, or if it's part of a volunteer uh, group, part of uh, an externship, they'll say it's the best experience they had in law school, and I think that that'll serve them well as they go forward. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Gayla, what is new or coming up new for the Volunteer Lawyers Project uh, this year and going into next? Well, we're always trying to provide uh, new opportunities for attorneys to get involved. Um, we we try to match the practice areas of the attorneys or, or some of the some of the areas of law or the things that they want to do within their profession with what I what we can provide while also trying to provide this um, or close the gap in services. So coming up in 2018, there's a new program that we're going to launch actually with uh, the Southern District, the United States Southern District, uh, so in federal court, and that is a settlement assistance program. And uh, we got the idea through a program that's already in Illinois. I think there may be may be three or four in the entire country, uh, three or four states in the entire country that has this program. But pretty much um, what the program allows is for an attorney to come in and provide limited representation to pro se litigants in federal court for settlement conferences only. Uh, that helps with... Uh, Opposing counsel who may not be able to get cases resolved because they're, um, of course, um, opposing pro se litigants. It helps with clearing the docket for uh, the judges. And then it also gives practical experience to attorneys who want to have um, experience with mediations. 
And that'll wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. We, we very much appreciate Gayla Carpenter-Sanders for joining us today to hear this show or any previous show. Visit mpbonline.org slash In Legal Terms, or you can get download the MPB Media app and listen on demand. Uh, Professor, Professor Richard Gershon, I'm Greg Mayer. Up next is our Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking. Join us again next Tuesday at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.